Is it just me or are tastes changing in contemporary furniture and interior design? To which you're probably answering, of course they're changing, Terry. They always do. Currently, though, I'm noticing a lot of what seems to me like mid-century modern with its hints of nostalgia, its simple and spare approach to decor, its lightness, its emphasis on open space, white walls, pale wood, unique light fixtures, flashes of color, handmade accessories. A number of the designers shaping these changing tastes are University of Manitoba graduates. We'll meet them in a moment, but first let me introduce you to Prairie Design Lab, coming to you from the Faculty of Architecture at the University of Manitoba. It's a podcast created with the help of the graduates, students, faculty, and allies of the most experienced, creative, and the most stylish architecture faculty in Western Canada. I'm Terry McLeod, the host, producer, and writer of Prairie Design Lab. Welcome to episode 23 called Simplicity. Let me introduce you to my three guests. Nicole Marion is a University of Manitoba Masters of Architecture graduate who has more than 15 years of professional experience in product design, development, and management. Renee Struthers and Tanya Peters are both Masters of Interior Design graduates and co-owners of their independent design studio in Winnipeg. They've been partners since 2019. I'm joined by the three of them. Hello, Nicole. Hey. Hello, Tanya. <laughs> And hello, Renee. Hi. Now, I've been struggling to figure out how to briefly describe the work of your two firms. Nicole, what's your design aesthetic? Well, it's funny you should ask that because I don't know if I could really easily answer that until I, I sort of recently updated my website and kind of took a, an overall look at, at the aesthetic. And I did realize that there is a lot of sort of round, curvy, playful um, aspects to my work, which I, I don't know if I've really kind of sat down and thought about what my aesthetics are, but just over the years they add up and then you can kind of reflect back and look. So I've been told in the past that my work is playful. I love color. So I, whenever I can, I try to squeeze as much color into projects as possible. I aim for a, a timelessness in my work. Yeah, I would say overall kind of um, warm and soft and uh, curvy and colorful. Renee, what's your design aesthetic? I think um, you use the the word simplicity and both Tanya and I, when, when we were, uh, you know, had our own practices as well as now our combined practice that I think that that really is something that we focus on. And I think the, the word simplicity is is kind of funny because although the the work might seem simple, I think that sometimes it's the hardest thing to do to really um, pare back and kind of try and find the essential elements of, of a design. I think like something that we also talk about in our firm is kind of this idea of simplicity plus and like Nicole talked about color that I think we, we really have this idea that, you know, we, we do want it to be timeless. We want our designs to be lasting, both from, from an environmental perspective, as well as, um, you know, just the enjoyment of, of the people within the spaces. With that simplicity, you know, kind of injecting a bit of life into it through color, through tactility, through some interesting material use. And perhaps those things are things that, that could change. They aren't the main elements of the space. So you kind of need that basis and then you can play on it from there. Tanya, how would you describe your design aesthetic? I think that I actually have a natural 
minimalist tone in my body that I, I sometimes try to fight. <laughs> when we look into a space, it seems that the context of the, the current architectural elements in the setting will, will often dictate a lot of simplicity in, this, in the design already. When we go into a space, we'll often see architectural elements and the context will, will become a big factor in the simplicity of our design, or it, it will be almost like the design will kind of tell us what it needs to be um, with those first readings of it. Like often we'll have projects where it will just kind of do, make design itself. And then we have to inject a little bit more of the complexity into it to make it feel really lively and playful and, and exciting. And, and that's when, when color comes into play. I often feel like we start with elements that are simple, simple lines and forms, and then we'll start to challenge it with more color and more variation to those forms and try to make it a little bit more playful. But at the same time, I feel like we're always trying to strive for something um, that has lasting power. And whether that's beyond the simple, I think that that's okay too. When I first heard the name of your firm, I was absolutely enchanted. And I researched like mad on the web to try to understand the meaning. Would you pronounce it for me, first of all? Tanya, tell me the, the way that you say the name of your firm. Sure. It's Ola Hirath. And Ola Hirath means what? When Tanya and I ran our own practices, Tanya was Studio Ola and I was Studio Hira. So so perhaps I'll actually let Tanya speak to the Ola half and I'll speak to the Hira half. <laughs> I had the good fortune of spending my childhood in Brazil and so Ola is, is just plainly hello in, in Portuguese. But I just liked the approachability of that name and it seemed fun and short and and sort of exciting. And at the time when I started my firm, it, it just seemed like a way to welcome people to the process of design and engaging with the public in that realm. So here means a, a longing for a place from your past or a, a longing for a place that may have only existed in, in your dreams, but but it's more of a feeling of, of nostalgia. That's something that I'm often thinking about, you know, how our past experiences kind of shape the way that we see space and I mean, it's valid for every single person, not just designers. So the combination of our two names, Ola kind of seemed like very present, whereas Hirith almost had this nostalgic quality, but the two of them together is really what makes space. We thought of many different names and then we we're like, wait a second, we have two good names. <laughs> like, what if we just combine these two? So we get a lot of questions about it, but we love it and nice to hear that you like it as well. I was really, really intrigued by it and how it would infuse your design. Nicole, if I could turn back to you though, you have Studio Marion now, your independent practice, but uh, you've worked for a number of high profile design firms over the last 15 years. You started out with EQ3 back in 2005, yes? Well, first I started working at the store <laughs> that was probably 2004, knowing that I wanted to get into furniture design. And so I was eventually hired into the head office where I, within a year, became an upholstery project manager. So I was in charge of all the design work that was being done on the upholstery side. So there was three categories of product generally in furniture, upholstery, case goods, and accessories. So I was in charge of upholstery, and, and that would include designing, but generally it was uh, taking designs and, and product developing, going through the process of product development all uh, the way to getting them into the stores. 
And then in 2011, you moved to Gus Modern? I did. Uh, we moved to Toronto for five years. And during that time, I was working at Gus Modern and I uh, was a designer and developer there as well. For those who aren't in the know about unique and interesting furniture and accessory design, Gus Modern is pretty big. And I was looking through their list of clients just to let everyone know, Instagram, Under Armour, Etsy, Airbnb, LinkedIn, Facebook, Google, and Twitter. Wow. What, yeah. what did you do with Gus Modern? I actually was designing and managing the introduction of, of their own in-house line. I was also working to help out with some of those projects as well, but that was sort of like a, a separate arm of the company that would work with trade. I was focused primarily on the line that you'll see on their website and, and in various galleries that sell their products. And is that where your award-winning Percy chair came along? No, that was done through Studio Marion. That was oh, launched. Was it? Yeah, yeah I, I entered the IDS prototype. As I did a submission for that last year in Toronto and I was able to show there and it was a fantastic experience and it ended with me winning the Best Prototype Award. Nice. Now tell us about Percy. Well, Percy is quite simply a chair. Uh, it's a, a oh, no, it's more than a chair. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, it's a chair with two inch diameter tubular uh, aluminum frame that's powder coated peachy pink. And it's got uh, sort of a complimentary wool fabric to go along with it. I've since turned it into a full collection that includes a sofa, ottoman, love seat, indoor, outdoor, but it doesn't exist in reality yet. That part is, <laughs> has been designed, but uh, only the chair exists in reality at this point. What did the award committee like so much about it that they offered you the prize? I think that they liked the fluidity of it. Um, there's a lot of continuing lines that flow around the chair. They liked the color combination. They liked the materials. A lot of people didn't actually realize that it was an aluminum frame. A lot of everybody who came up to it gave it a little knock to see what it was. That was the most common question I had is, is what is the frame made of? So I think that they were sort of intrigued by the unexpected materials. Now, we're going to come back to you in a minute to hear about your new position, but I want to go back to Renee and Tanya. Lovers of great coffee in Winnipeg certainly know your interior design. What design work have you two done for Little Sister Coffee Makers? Our office is located in the South Osborne Little Sister Coffee um, location, and there's a collection of four different businesses in that building that we designed originally. It was a great project in, in terms of bringing together the minds of four different female-run businesses. And their spaces are designed to be engaging and inviting and containing a, a feeling of escapism in a way where you feel like you can walk in and grab a coffee and sit by a plant and sit in the sunshine. Um, and it's just a really wonderful, warm place. And we feel really lucky to be working right there <laughs> that we can grab a cup of coffee and head back to work. And yeah, it's really wonderful. And Renee, the, the minimalism of Little Sister is uh, pretty fantastic. We approach a lot of our work knowing that people are going to want to make it their own. And so if we're able to provide different spaces and the bones, the framework for a place, then people can grow into it. And Little Sister in particular, because our office is there, has been such an interesting experiment because not often are we able to watch a space evolve day by day. We've been sitting there watching it evolve day by day, um, how the coffee shop gets used, how the clothing designer, her businesses, you know, expanding into the space. Same with Amy, the hairstylist. It's a really interesting concept. But yeah, in terms of the simplicity, 
it, it was definitely intentional. Um, it, we even left room for growth beyond human growth. Um, there's plants growing in the space. So the images you see on our website of the space, it looks completely different in there now because life has taken over in so many ways, which is um, just really fun to see. Yes, I noticed that you installed a kind of white wire grid on the wall, and I expect the plants are growing on the grid now, are they? Yeah. They are. Yeah, yeah, nice. Now, you've also been doing some pretty interesting things with light fixtures. Tell us about, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Anger, the limestone one? That light was actually done as a commission for a retailer called Kit and Ace, and so they had opened a store in the city um, since closed, but uh, in the exchange district. So they were contacting local designers in, in the cities that they were opening to um, collaborate with them to uh, make lighting pieces for each store. So they contacted me and I uh, wanted it to have reference to Winnipeg to Manitoba. So that's where the idea of of Tyndall came from. I mean, beyond that, it, it was just fitting with their aesthetic and using that material. It was a nice challenge, but that's where that light came from. And what about a drift, hanging yeah. circular lamps with what could be clouds suspended below them? So that was also for the Kitten Ace store. So there was two light pieces that I designed for them. And that was, uh, again, trying to have some local context. It's supposed to be reminiscent of snow drift. That was one of my most favorite things I've ever done because I, I made it all by hand. I, I did the concrete work myself. I made the, the form work for it. So when it was finally hanging there, I just had one of those moments like, yeah, I did this, which, which was nice. You made hanging light fixtures with concrete? That's correct. It's an unusual <laughs> material for a it's lamp. It's an unusual material, but it was a, a fiber reinforced concrete. So you can actually get it very thin. Um, so they weren't heavy pieces. I think like Nicole was talking about, you know, kind of taking materials that we know and pushing the boundaries of, of those materials is, is definitely something that I think we're all interested in. So that was one of those experiments. Tanya, where can interested buyers find Ola Hiras products? We actually are just starting to come up with a, a line of our own. Well, and it'll be quite small to begin with, but a little capsule line. But it's really exciting to start thinking about more tangible ways of engaging with design products and bringing them into people's homes in a, in a really simple way that doesn't cost very much but can bring a lot of life and color and, and and just some joy into people's spaces. We're working on it this year and we'll see how long it takes for for them to come out but I hope that's okay that I mentioned that Renee. <laughs> oh absolutely I, I mean it's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nicole you told us about Percy the chair but tell us about your award-winning street furniture picnic on Graham Avenue as part of the uh, urban design competition of Benchmark 2020. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, it, it's not award-winning uh, quite yet, um, but it, it is the winner of a competition. Every year, Storefront Manitoba hosts a competition called Benchmark, where they have a call for submissions to design and then build and place benches in two different sites around Winnipeg. And, and this year it expanded into Manitoba, actually, as well. So um, myself and, and my friend Chris Weeb, who's an architect in the city with at large, we got together and, and designed uh, a bench. It's called Picnic Bench. Quite simply, because it's sort of the traditional metal-based wood plank picnic table you see everywhere, but we kind of cut it in half and bent it and kinked it and 
made it overlap with each other and also made it 27 feet long. So it's a very colorful statement in downtown Winnipeg and uh, allows people waiting for the bus, uh, having a evening takeout from one of the local delis uh, to be able to hang out on it and play on it and enjoy it. There are two sites you can choose from for the competition and, and we immediately were drawn to this one because it was just sort of a blank banal site downtown Winnipeg that really needed something and sort of it was along a, a long bus corridor so the site kind of spoke to us as needing this sort of piece for people to do more than just stand there waiting for the bus in misery <laughs> to provide a, a sort of a playful fun place to to hang out and get comfortable. It has a lot of that undulating metal frame that's similar to what's happening with Percy, right? In that sense of it being very appealing, very sensuous. Yes, this again uses two inch round uh, aluminum frame. So it's definitely speaks the same language as Percy. It's two-toned, um, but this time it's sort of like a minty green on, on more of an emeraldy green. So we partnered with Shape Industries too, who actually built the Percy chair for me. So um, had a good relationship with them going and they were excited to kind of continue this really sort of fluid, curvy work with metal. You know, during COVID, there's been a huge emphasis on people getting dogs, but I noticed that you tilted your attention to cats and cat <laughs> furniture with uh, the Vancouver company Tuft and Paw. Tell me about those fantastic little things you made for cats. That has been a really fun bunch of projects that I've worked on for the past uh, almost two years. I was approached, uh, they were looking to start carrying their own in-house designed line of products. They currently were carrying other brands and they wanted to have a Tuft & Paw line. So I was approached about uh, if I was interested in designing some cat furniture. I don't have a cat. I'm actually extremely allergic to cats. <laughs> don't tell them that. <laughs> But um, it's been super fun to take that on. And yeah, I've designed a lot of products and many, many more in the works. So they'll be kind of coming out over the next few months to a year. It's been fun to discover also how difficult it is. It's actually much more difficult and complicated to design cat furniture than it is human furniture, I found. Why? There's just so many more things to take into consideration. How it's used, it has to resist scratching. It has to be stable when cats jump onto it. It has to be non-toxic. Cats move in such different ways and such unexpected ways that it really needs to, you need to think about all these aspects that you, know, you don't really need to worry about with people. People kind of use furniture in quite straightforward ways, whereas cats don't. <laughs> Tell us about the piece called Happy Camper. Uh, yeah, that that's um, a bed with sort of like a teepee type shape. It's got wood paneling composing the exterior, but the unique thing about it is that the, the wood panel pieces are reversible. So the panel itself is built out of plywood and ash or walnut plywood, but then on one side of the panel, it's lined with sort of a scratchy, cozy felt. And so if you want to have that on the inside, you can and have just sort of like an outside uh, sort of simple wood piece, you can or you can turn that around and then it kind of becomes like a bit of a scratching post for the cats as well. <laughs> Very clever stuff. I was looking at their website and they have, oh, at least a half a dozen of your designs there. It's definitely building. I'm really excited to be a part of it. It's been, they've been such awesome people to work with. Tanya and Renee, when I was thinking what to name this episode, I turned to you two for inspiration. 
you had planned to do a talk at the University of Manitoba School of Architecture in 2020, but then COVID shut it down. You had named the talk that never happened, Simplicity and the Unexpected, Crafting Interiors that Speak to the Soul. COVID certainly was unexpected. Did you two know something that we didn't know? <laughs> I wish we could have predicted this and been better prepared for it all, but we're all managing pretty well with the circumstances too. <laughs> What were you going to say, though, in your talk at the School of Architecture? We are really looking forward to just discussing how our work process is and how we construct our designs. But I think a lot of our thinking was just starting up with the ground zero, like working with the building blocks, taking a lot of inspiration from nature and the simplicity of form and, and even looking at historical references and trying to find a way to bring the design, starting with a place of simplicity, but then moving into this playful and engaging realm. Brene, what were you referring to with the unexpected? So the way we were thinking about it is like setting up the bones of a space and then the unexpected quality comes in the form of color, perhaps. It also comes in the form of, of how people use the space. We can predict how people will use a space. And, and I think to add to what Tanya had, had mentioned there that, you know, our clients play a huge role in how our spaces develop because if it doesn't function for them, then there's kind of no point in it. We can predict how they might use a space, but we're always surprised in the ways that they kind of adapt to a space, leaving room for that to allow people to, to do that and then just seeing what the result is. We don't want our designs to be prescriptive. And so we want there to be space for human growth and for the stories of that people carry within those spaces to proceed on their own. And, and so just setting up um, the groundwork for life to happen within is, is mostly our goal. And even just letting people move in and decide, oh, the light coming in through this window makes me feel this way. And therefore I'm going to put this color in here and, and just having that room to grow into the space versus showing up in an environment and having it fully formed. So your use of the term unexpected is not a reference to the arrival of the global pandemic. No, you, it is not. You couldn't see it coming. <laughs> no? Okay. No. Speaking of the global pandemic, Nicole, you were hired during COVID by this national furniture and accessory firm called Article. For those who don't know them, what's Article? Article is a, a furniture company. They're based in Vancouver. They are digital first, so you can only shop online for them. No, no brick and mortar stores anywhere. But they're a company that sells modern furniture at good prices, and they sell throughout uh, Canada and North America. What attracted you to them? They're just really an emerging brand in the country. Um, there's not a heck of a lot of modern furniture brands that have offices in Canada, but they're one of them. And they've been around since 2013. More and more people are knowing of them. And it's just a kind of an exciting growing place. How do you describe their furniture? Certainly modern, got sort of different style segments in their product line. So touching on sort of Scandinavian style, bohemian, industrial, modern, evolving and changing and moving with the trends and setting the trends. They've kind of got something for everyone in a sense. I would expect that your experience with another big Canadian furniture manufacturer, EQ3, or with Gus Modern would really apply to your work with Article. Are you finding that? Oh, yes, definitely. EQ3 was the first company I worked at as a designer and developer. And so they really kind of, I feel like my foundation was kind of based and, and grown with EQ3 there. And then since then, I've been lucky enough to kind of take that foundation and, and grow it at Gus, 
go back to EQ3, continue to grow it in different product categories. And then certainly opening my own studio, I felt quite confident of, of how it worked and that I could do it because I had worked with other freelancers while working at EQ3. And so I kind of knew how that world operated. And then taking on a position at Article was just sort of like a, a natural thing to do. All of the positions have been slightly different work, but it's really kind of under uh, an umbrella of product design and development that I feel really comfortable with. My son who works with uh, SOM, Skidmore Owings in Merrill in Chicago, when he bought a dining room table, he insisted that it had to be EQ3. And luckily for him, there's an EQ3 store in Chicago, as there are yeah. in many communities. He loves this table and loves EQ3's approach to things. Oh, that's great. That's great. I know that you had an interview earlier with Tom Fougere, who's actually a good friend of all of ours. Oh, is he? <laughs> and uh, I know that he really kind of made some significant changes to the product line there at EQ3, and he did such a fantastic job. Nicole, you're the most experienced person at the table here today, but I want to know from Renee and Tanya, who are on the starting end of the development of their furniture and design careers, what advice you would have for them or what questions, Renee or Tanya, you would have for Nicole to help you in your evolution? <laughs> I don't think they need advice from me. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> no way. You, you guys are killing it. You guys are so strong and know, seem to know exactly what you're doing. I sometimes look to them for advice and inspiration. We're not trying to be industrial designers. So a lot of the areas we're trying to start off with are things that don't necessarily take a human form to sit in it. We, you know, the, the elements of figuring out the ergonomics of how a chair properly takes a human body, that feels like something that seems to be on another level. And so we're starting smaller in terms of our, our, the scope of our work, in terms of um, the products we're thinking of maybe aren't as large scale. But I find that that's really interesting is to figure out how you incorporate the body in your work, finding a ways to be really comfortable and looking at, you know, how you can embrace a person is a really interesting thing. Renee? Just two days ago, we were asking Nicole for advice. We were asking her for some recommendations on upholsters and how we might approach that. And I mean, we work with upholsters often, but we're always interested in different methods. Nicole has a absolute wealth of knowledge that, that we don't have in terms of furniture design. We will be bugging Nicole a lot more than we have in the, in the past. Well, I'm glad I gave you the opportunity today to bug Nicole just a little bit more. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My little introduction rambling around about mid-century modern. Mid-century modern is something that appeals to you. Is that fair to say? I think it appeals to us very much, but I think a lot of our influence does come from the minimalism and simplicity of mid-century design, as well as the functionality of, of a lot of that design. Like there was a lot of modular design coming out of that time period, the attention to detail in terms of, you know, joinery and the construction of pieces. I think we're, we're most definitely inspired by mid-century design. In fact, we do specify mid-century pieces in, in some of our projects. Speaking of furniture, we want to be our own current voice as well, but it's 100% a source of inspiration. A few years ago, I was in Detroit at Greenfield Village, and they have a huge Eames display there, mm -hmm. like huge, exploring the path that the Eames couple took to the evolution of this. And then few years ago, EQ3 brought in Eames Demetrios to speak at the EQ3 store. 
And I was just totally smitten by this. It was really quite an experience. <laughs> and in my back laneway, about 10 years ago, I found this wire mesh chair. I liked the look of it and I brought it home and I showed it to my son. He said, dad, that's a Bertoya chair, by the way. It's at his place in Chicago now. Oh, like he said, yeah. you don't know what you found in the back lane. <laughs> I feel like any designer sort of can't deny the influence that mid-century modern design has had because it's, since then it just sort of changed the course of furniture design and architecture. So I think that um, all of us I, I, are fans in some way. I own a couple of mid-century pieces. I love them so much. Yeah, it's sort of undeniable that all of us have this sort of mid-century core to us that we have to respect in some way. Thanks to all three of you for your willingness to dive deep into this stuff and to let us know what you're thinking about and where your design aesthetics come from. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Terry. Nicole Marion owns Studio Marion of Winnipeg. She is a University of Manitoba Masters of Architecture grad who has more than 15 years of professional experience in product design, development, and management. Renee Struthers and Tanya Peters are both Masters of Interior Design graduates and co-owners of Ola Hirith Design Studio in Winnipeg. They've been partners since 2019. Prairie Design Lab is created with the help of the graduates, faculty, students, and worldwide allies of the University of Manitoba Faculty of Architecture. I'm Terry McLeod, your writer, producer, and host. For more information about us, please visit our website at prairiedesignlab.com. Special thanks today to Jason Chan. You can listen to us on Spotify and on Apple and Google Podcasts. If you like us, please subscribe. You can hear us on the radio on UMFM at 101.5 FM on Wednesday mornings at 11.30 a.m. Thanks for listening today. See you next week. Music